Welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, and along with me is my co-host, Adam Stellman. And today, we'll be going over our Week 8 preview episode for the game against the New York Giants. Adam, let's talk Seahawks. Let's. We're coming, we're coming into this pretty hot. We've now won two weeks in a row. Um, the defense has improved for two weeks straight. Uh, the offense keeps burning and churning. Uh, our rookie running back, uh, Mr. Kenneth Walker III, seems to be a, a bona fide star at the position. Um, I think uh, we lead the league with uh, rookies in starting positions. Um, we have we have five or six right now, right? Five, six? Boy Mafe. At least five. Both of them, huh? Yeah, Mafe, we have five. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, six. Boy Mafe. If- if you count Kobe Bryant as a starting there position. There you go. That's that's it. I mean, and we should. I mean, he's out there for 90-plus percent of the plays. Yeah, look, uh, you know, this is, it's pretty early to be talking off-season awards, but we got a legitimate uh, off, uh, offensive rookie of the year candidate in Walker, a legitimate defensive rookie of the year in, in Woolen, and possibly Bryant. We'll see what Mafe does down the stretch. <clears throat> we have a legit comeback player of the year in Geno Smith, unless uh, we – face as we always do uh east coast bias i can't imagine why anyone right now would be above pete carroll or john snyder for coach and executive of the year respectively yeah i can agree with that i think brian dable which surprisingly we actually faced this week could push pete carroll for coach of the year i also think nick sirianni is in that mix as well but john snyder i think by far has locked down executive of the year up to this point. I least. mean, we thought that in 2012 too, but they gave it to the guy who somehow managed to draft the uh, number one prospect coming out of college, number one overall. And and that earned him whatever. Anyway, we're, we're moving on. Uh, Andrew Luck's not in the league yep. anymore. <laughs> so clearly. So what are your thoughts after your rewatch of the week seven game? I, I, I pretty much just went over him. I, I mean, we're, we're on fire. You know, I think uh, the talk uh, coming out of uh, the well, uh, coming out of the talking heads uh, about the Seahawks has been: Are they for real? Can they keep this going? I think you know we're we're getting a little bit uh, taken away from us because of uh, the injuries that that Los Angeles had going into our game with them. Uh, they, they were probably, other than the 49ers, our biggest test so far. Uh, we clearly failed, got an F for our 49ers game, uh, but we. We scored an A against the Chargers. This, funny enough, even though we're not going to be, I really doubt that we'll get flexed into that late night spot. We probably should be because this is the only week eight matchup between two winning teams, uh, the Seahawks and the Giants. Every other matchup is between a winning and losing team or two losing teams. Or, te- sorry, two teams with losing records. Look, if we can pull out a win here, it's going to be pretty hard for anybody to look at the, the Seahawks and go, they're not legit. I do think we have a chance here. It's not like the Giants have faced a very tough schedule thus far. We're, we're coming into this week looking pretty damn good. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a great game last week. I think we had a lot to build up, you know, a lot to build from off of that game. I just had a few things that I wanted to touch on from that game. First of all, I know we crapped all over him for the whole first part of the season, but Daryl Taylor actually had a pretty darn good game. He had a great game. In fact, I think, yeah, in fact, I think PFF graded him over a C, 
70, it was a 70 something, which if you compare that to his early part of the year, that's a really good improvement. And it's something I hope that keeps building. You see the confidence come in. Once again, I you got to put a little bit of that on coaching, a little bit of that on the player and a little bit of that on Bruce Irvin for that mentorship. Something I hadn't thought about, I actually got this from Corbin Smith from Locked on Seahawks. He mentioned that Bruce Irvin kind of had the same issue coming in. Daryl Taylor was out his whole first year with that knee injury or leg injury, I guess. And Bruce Irvin played a couple games his rookie season and then was gone for the majority of the season. So dealing with injury adversity year one, then came back in. Both guys coming into the league were only pass rushers and had to learn to do other things as far as far as Bruce Irvin had to. So now he's there to see this guy who's very much in the exact same mold as him and he can help him along. I really hope that this pairing on the roster really helps Taylor grow. And I hope that mentorship is something that that we see and can really push his game along. I really like him as a player and I wanted to see him grow a whole lot more than we saw those first couple weeks. And I think we're starting to see some small breakthroughs in his uh, play on the field. Yeah, I think this is something the, the, the Seahawks seem to have a history of doing, at least especially recently a history of doing, and that they've done pretty well. I mean, Penny said that Adrian Peterson really took him under his wing, and that's kind of when he saw his biggest turnaround. Uh, was after that mentorship, a mentorship from Adrian Peterson, uh, having a guy who one has a similar skill set, two uh, you know similar draft uh, pedigree, and has really done it in the league. Um, you know, in, in Irvin's case, obviously just having that uh, ten so far ten year career where he's he's been a fairly impactful player wherever he's gone. Uh, you know, not a superstar, but a guy that can do a lot of things really well and has built you know from you know his time as. A straight pass rusher to a guy that's really a well-rounded player. Look, I still think that we need to to make sure we're putting Daryl Taylor in in rush packages. Uh, you know, not that he can't be out there in coverage packages sometimes, but the thing the man does well is get after the quarterback, and we need to make sure we're we're keeping him in a position where he can do that uh, because he does that really well. I completely agree. Keep him doing what he can do while he works on those other things in practice. And then he'll build that confidence and then you'll just see it click and all those skills he's been working on in practice are going to show up on the field. Another person I want to kind of apologize to is D. Eskridge. Now, I know I was like, oh, you got to catch that pitch. You got to, you know, and, and I was right. He did take his eyes off the ball and it is a position he's not used to playing. But if you look at that pitch, it wasn't really where it needed to be. If his eyes were on the ball, he could have made the adjustment. So he doesn't get absolved of all wrongdoing. But I got to put a little bit of that on Geno Smith. And then his work down the field away from being a receiver, because he did not have any receptions in that game, was actually pretty good. His block downfield on Walker's 74-yard touchdown run is amazing. If you're a wide receiver, a young wide receiver out there, and maybe you're in high school, maybe you're a youth player, heck, you could be in college. Go watch Walker's 74-yard touchdown run and then go watch D. Eskridge's block. It is perfect. It's exactly what you want to see from a wide receiver. It's the kind of block that's down there that's just in your face. It's one of those tone-setting blocks and it, it is a thing of beauty. And so I got to applaud him for that. It's one of those little things. I always talk about putting in work. And when I say putting in work, it means you're doing the little things. And so Eskridge was putting in work 
during that game, even though he wasn't impacting the game on the stat sheet via receptions and yards. Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I'm looking forward to this weekend, I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but is really seeing the growth of those other wide receivers uh, because I think we're expecting DK not to not to be ready to go this week. Uh, I really hope he's not put out there this week. I think we resting him is the right thing to do with the injury that he has. But getting those guys more involved, certainly Marquise uh, came out, uh, Goodwin came out and, and lit it up last week in the stat sheet. It'll be really uh, interesting to see how they incorporate Eskridge a little bit more in that in those offensive packages. Yeah, he has the skills to impact uh, lots of different aspects of the game. We're seeing him back in the return game. I think that's a great spot for him. You saw him line up in the backfield on that pitch play. He could be dynamic back there as a change of pace guy. So I want to see how they use him. Uh, another player I want to shout out to is Ryan Neal. Uh, I think everybody agrees this was probably one of his best games. He was all over the place. And just like other players, when uh, those flu games happen, I mean, Ryan Neal had an IV before the start of the game. He was throwing up on the sideline between plays. Yeah, sick, as a, sick as a dog, according to Pete Carroll. He got after it, and I've got a ton of respect for him. And it really showed on the field. He was out there doing, he put everything he had on the field during that game. PFF rated him, I believe, over a 93. It's one yeah. of the highest ratings they've given any player in the NFL this season. I think he's like fourth or fifth for the highest ratings this season. He balled out. We have to applaud that. So thank you, Ryan Neal. That was an amazing game. We hope to see it again. That was awesome. Yeah, and we, and we may need to this week. I mean, we're, you know, uh, the Giants are one of those teams that, that likes their kind of like deeper crossing routes. Um, and that's kind of where Neil's bread and butter has been. So he may have to have another great game uh, for us to come out with a win. So so we often do a, a league news, league slash team news segment on these preview shows. Really, we just recorded a trade deadline special where we talk about some of the happenings that have been happening around the league as far as trades and players moving around. Take a minute, go listen to that episode. It's a little bit shorter, maybe around 15, 20 minutes. And that'll give you a lot of what's been going on in the league as we head up to this trade deadline coming up on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. So the transactions that the Seahawks had this week, there was quite a bit of moving around and designations that were happening. So first of all, they placed cornerback Isaiah Dunn on injured reserve. We reinstated defensive lineman LJ Collier from the injured reserve list. And I think we may even see him this week. I know he's been practicing. Uh, he was designated to return a few weeks ago, which allowed him to practice. He's been practicing the last few weeks. I hope we get a chance to see him in the game and see how he fits into this new defensive scheme. We also designated running back Travis Homer and corner Trey Brown to return from injured reserve. As far as I understand this rule, they can now practice with the team for up to three weeks. They have any time within those three weeks to reinstate them to the active roster. If they don't, at the end of those three weeks, then they revert to season-ending injured reserve. Mm -hmm. We also released linebacker Christian Jones and running back Godwin Igwebuike from the practice squad. And kind of to fill those spots... Uh, we signed wide receiver Kevin Cassis to the practice squad again. He's been on and off a few times this year. And linebacker Alexander Johnson. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, Jones, I think, was the surprise when I uh, 
there was a little bit of hype with him coming in. I thought maybe he might get bumped up to active uh, for this week. Um, clearly, they you know haven't seen what they wanted to see from him uh, during practice, and that's more than likely why they released him. Uh, there's probably other factors to it as well, uh, but they re-signed another linebacker, so you know it does kind of uh, it seems like the door is closed on that. But who knows? We may see him uh, uh, later. He certainly uh, you know he hasn't really done anything with the team so i guess it's not that big of a shocker i did uh, i was hoping to see him get some get some play time but you know it is what it is now that bruce Irvin's uh, on the active roster you know there's probably fewer linebacker spots to fill anyway so that's true i hadn't quite thought about that one yet as far as our injury report goes we had quite a few people on the injury report now we're recording this on thursday unfortunately i have some travel going on this weekend and so we're unable to record on Friday in our normal slot where we have the game day designations. So we have to look at the participation of players in practice on Thursday and we'll see kind of how that shakes out. So as far as the players that did not practice, Penny Hart, DK Metcalf, Phil Haynes, Nick Bellore, Puna Ford, Daryl Taylor, and Al Woods. Now, some of these players, I think, have a legitimate chance to not play in the game. And those are all three players who got taken out of last week's game. I don't want to see DK Metcalf. Let's get that knee rested. I don't want to see Phil Haynes or Nick Bellore. I am big on making sure you're fully recovered from those concussions. Let's give them time to recover. It will pay off for this team more in the future if we let them sit at least an extra week. And certainly we have the option to do that right now with both Al Woods and Gabe Jackson coming back uh, and likely to play this week. Yes, in fact, Gabe Jackson was a full participant in practice today, so I would expect him to play. Penny Hart was out last game with this hamstring. I don't know how the hamstring's coming along. Obviously, you were a little shy at receiver with DK Metcalf probably being out. Tyler Lockett was limited this week, but he was a full participant today. We'll have to see how that works. I'm not sure if Penny Hart's going to be able to go. He might be doubtful, but I'm not sure where that's going to be. Could we see Derek Young this game? I hope so. I actually would love to see Derek Young. There's been some talk coming out of camp where Geno Smith, I think, and Pete Carroll talked about how Derek Young is ready to play that big-bodied receiver, that role that they have for DK Metcalf out there. So I'd like to see him go up there and muscle guys around and he looks good in preseason. I can't wait to see him against top tier NFL players. Al Woods was on the did not participate list, but that was due to the lingering knee injury that he's had, but also was listed as veteran rest. So hopefully that's just him getting ready for the game. Get that little extra day of rest. As a gentleman past his 20s, I uh, can attest that I myself occasionally need an extra day of rest. You're about to be past your 30s, buddy. <laughs> I, I actually am past my 30s. Well, that's right, 40 I was this year. Not... Yeah, I forgot. Yep, yep. I <laughs> am uh, yep, dating myself on the podcast. All right. So our limited participants in practice was safety Ryan Neal with an ankle injury that he's been dealing with. Obviously, we want to see him out there, especially after that amazing game he had last week. Yeah, I mean, look, extensive people on the reporting. I do expect this to be kind of fairly healthy coming into this game. Uh, the Giants uh, have a pretty extensive, well, I shouldn't say extensive, but they have some significant guys on their reports as well. Uh, a few guys that were on the report, uh, tied in Daniel Bellinger, uh, who was a did not participate. Uh, let's see, offensive guard Ben Breeson, 
was also D- did not participate. Uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, wide receiver, did not participate. Evan Neal, who's been dealing with a knee issue now for a couple of weeks, uh, did not participate. Uh, let's see, they also had an outside linebacker with a quad injury. Uh, I'm not going to uh, – I will. O'Shane Jimenez, I believe is his name. He, he was a, did not participate. And they had a couple guys limited, including uh, uh, Leonard Williams, their defensive end, uh, cornerback Jason Pinnock, and uh, guard, another guard, uh, Tyree Phillips. Um, obviously, the big deal here is not having Evan Neal out there. Uh, if you looked at just contract, you'd say having, not having Kenny Galladay might be a thing too, but he hasn't done anything uh, with his $15 million a year, so I don't know how much of an impact that's going to be on the game. Uh, they, however, they did also trade Canaries Tony, so they are looking a little thin at wide receiver, if you want to put it that way, uh, but they still got a pretty, pretty big uh, group of guys uh, that will be catching the ball from uh, Danny Dimes. So, um, but I do think the biggest impact is not having their rookie offensive tackle out there, Evan Neal, a guy who was incidentally drafted, uh, first player at the offensive tackle position drafted. I don't know if that was two or three spots higher than our own uh, cross, but uh, but he has not looked great this year. He's been struggling. And so uh, even though he won't be out there more than likely, uh, that should give us some opportunities to get after Danny Dimes, which will be a good thing. In fact, that kind of leads us into our five keys to success for this game against the New York Giants. Our first one is we have to contain Saquon Barkley. I mean, he is their number one threat. He is probably one of the top offensive threats in the league. We have to find a way to contain him, especially with our history of run defense this season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, you know, Saquon's an animal. I mean, he is a big-bodied dude. He runs hard out of that backfield. But he's also involved in the passing game, so he's going to be involved in checkdowns if we are kind of if we are in a position to get after the quarterback. Uh, but definitely limiting him is going to limit what they can do on offense because he is the engine that that offense runs on. Uh, look, you know, we talked uh, when we played against Arizona about uh, you know shutting down their running game. Uh, we didn't quite get that done, but we came pretty close. We said it again against the Chargers. We definitely shut down their running game. Now again, different kind of different kind of running back between you know uh, Saquon and, and Eckler, but uh, I think uh, if we can limit them in, in the same way and kind of keep it to where they really can't run up the gut and just get chunk yards every single time they run, uh, that's really going to help out that defense and, and, and give us a chance to, to come out with a W. Our second key to success is we have to make Daniel Jones throw from the pocket, right? He's an athletic guy. We can't let him get out and run on us. We have to make him beat us with his arm. Yeah, look, uh, you know, he's got the nickname Danny Dimes, and that's partly because he he likes chucking the long ball, and he's good at that. He's not so great with the rest of the field unless he's getting outside the pocket and he's on the run, uh, which is another thing he can do really well. He is there, He's the second-leading rusher on that team uh, and has more rushing yards than several running backs. Uh, look, you know, their offensive line is coming to this game hurt. If we can get that pocket to collapse, he's going to have to get outside, and that's where we need our linebackers to contain and if they can do that, he's going to have to to start throwing down the field. And hopefully what that means is we'll be uh, getting those receivers in one-on-one matchups, which I think leads us into our our third key to success, which is win one-on-one matchups on the outside. We need the secondary to lock down those receivers. There are offense that actually kind of reminds me a little bit of what the Seahawks looked like uh, for the, you know, the last several years under or with uh, Russell Wilson leading the way, where it's... You know, big chunk plays down the field was kind of our bread and butter. That's what the Giants like to do when they're not running the ball. They like to get big pass plays down the field. 
Um, and that, you know, and, and so they're rolling Danny out to kind of get out of the pocket and see those kind of long balls. And, you know, we've got the, the corners and the secondary people to do it. We just need to make sure we're locking those guys down. Especially when you try to stop a running back at the quality of Saquon Barkley, it's going to put your corners on islands. And that works. We have corners that can handle it, but they need to win those matchups. Our fourth key to success, we flip over now to the offensive side of the ball. We need to utilize tight ends in all aspects and use those tight ends to control the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, you know, I, I know this is going to lead us to our final key to success, but when we're running multiple tight end packages, the Seahawks offense works. Uh, you know, two and three tight end packages. Uh, because when we have three tight end packages out there, people are expecting a run. And though we have done that, we've also taken advantage of the play action play there. We need to make sure that we're getting on the same page. The one negative I would put on Gino the last couple of weeks is he hasn't quite been on the same page, it seems, when he's been passing to his tight ends. Uh, if he can if he can get that right and they can get on the same page, we can dink and we, we, we should be able to get chunk plays over the middle, keep the offense going and making sure we're opening up those one on one options for us on the outside uh, that I think our receivers will have an advantage at. Yes. And our final key to success, we saw it last week. We got to release the dog. You know, we got to we got to release canine. We got to get Kenneth Walker 20, 25 touches this game. He's shown us what he can do toting the rock. He's a player we need to lean on that'll open up the passing game, allow Gino to do what Gino needs to do, open it up, have a lot more fun. But it all starts with getting Kenneth Walker the ball. I would like to see us go out in 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 you know the big formation on our first drive. Start start it right off with three tight ends out there. Run the ball straight at him. Do it again on the second down, and then on third down, if you know for short, go ahead and run it again. If we need it, you know four or more yards, show him the same set, and then and then release those tight ends. We need to we need to let Walker lead this team in the beginning, and then shut the door in the end. Because if he if he can do what he did last week, where he's you know, running uh, for, for big chunk yardage and long touchdowns. That's going to take the air out of the Giants real quick. Yes, it will. And now if we look at the different position matchups going into this game, it gives us a real idea of perhaps which team has the favor in the offense and the defensive parts of the game. So when I look at this quarterback matchup, Daniel Jones was higher drafted. He had a higher profile. He's in a bigger city bigger market, but I'm going to give this matchup to Geno Smith. I mean, the man is playing lights out, efficient, and efficient is what we need on this football team. Uh, look, Danny is, Danny Dimes, you know, he's got the nickname, he's certainly got the pedigree, he's definitely an athlete, but so is Geno, and Geno is just playing better football. Also, Geno takes care of the football a lot better than Danny Dimes does. I, I, you know, fully expect our secondary to have opportunities to pick Danny off. I don't really think their secondary is going to have the same uh, options or uh, advantages with Geno passing the ball. So Geno Smith. Yeah, I'm hoping our, our secondary can find one of those dimes and just stick it in their pocket, take that back to the house. Now, how about this running back tandem? I love Kenneth Walker, but I got to give this to Saquon Barkley. I mean, he is special. Yeah, he is. Look, I mean, I, Kenneth Walker is an extremely talented, hard running back. And I, and I do think he has a future in this league. And he will eventually be one of those guys that we talk about as as one of the top backs in the league. But right now, you know, Saquon is the the lead run is the number one running back in the league right now for a reason, uh, and it's because the man is just special, as you said. So it's close, but yeah, we, I gotta give it to Saquon. Even with DK Metcalf probably being out of this game, I've still got to give the wide receiver matchup to the Seattle Seahawks. 
yeah, look, they, look, the Giants don't have a guy uh, that is the number one guy. They don't have a guy that, that's a go-to guy that, that that's always open and, 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 and catches the ball. They, I don't think they have a single receiver right now outside of Kenny Galladay who may not play. And even if he does, I don't think he'll be a factor that's had a thousand-yard receiving season. So, yeah, I, I think this one's pretty easy. Uh, it, it's the Hawks. Now, with the tight end group, once again, I really like the fact that all three of our tight ends impact the game. And because of that factor, I got to give the tight end matchup to the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's pretty clear that the Seahawks win that matchup. As far as the offensive line goes, I've been very critical about our offensive line. Obviously, our rookie tackles are playing really well. Our interior line has been playing subpar for this entire year. They've had a couple good moments of games, but overall, it's an area that we definitely need work on. But with that said, given the injuries that the Giants have, I'm actually giving our offensive line matchup to the Seahawks, which might be for the first time this whole season. Yeah, look, I, if we're talking about what our, our offense can do against their defense, our offensive line does against their defensive line and vice versa, I would have to give it to us because I do think that Waldron is going to make sure and put our offensive line in positions where they're going to succeed. So this means more power running to the outside, you know, more traps, more pulling guards, uh, things to take the pressure off that interior offensive line. And if he does that, it's, it's yeah, it's no contest. Now, when you flip sides of the ball, we go over defense. We look at this defensive line matchup. I weighed this one back and forth, but I've got to give defensive line to the Giants. Oh yeah, for sure. Look, I, 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 there's talent on both sides, uh, but but clearly their defensive interior, especially their front defensive line, ha- has been playing better. They're not giving up the big chunk plays on, on on running like we are. Done pretty well about collapsing that interior pocket, uh, which is why I said it's really going to be an onus on our our. Uh, offensive coordinator to make sure we're putting our guys in a position to win because they can wreck the game if they want to. Yes, they can. And so can their linebacking core, who I also had to give the advantage over the Seahawks. Listen, they got Kayvon Thibodeau, Jalen Smith, even just those two names alone kind of make you take a step back when you're looking at this group. I like Tay Crowder. We'll see if O'Shane Jimenez can go this game. But I like their linebacking core. I think they match up really well. I think they're going to be difficult for our offensive protection to pick up. So I've got to give the edge in the linebackers to the New York Giants. Yeah, I probably have to agree with you. Um, I I do think they're they're just as, maybe not just as, but similarly suspect when it comes to coverage with their linebackers. Um, I do think we can take advantage of that with our tight ends for matchup. Uh, but I, I do think we're going to have to make sure that our tight ends are, are really in there to support the run game, to make sure that those linebackers are not getting penetration. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. Now, when we look at the secondary, I think our safety play is above their safety play. The corners, Dory Jackson, great athletic traits, but he's not Tariq Woolen athletic traits. Fabian Moreau is playing great. I got to give it to the Seahawks, though. Look, they've got they've got talent there for sure. I, I don't think they've got a guy that can they can uh, keep up with uh, Barquise Goodwin down the field. I don't think they've got a guy that, that can uh, – they, they, sure, they don't have a big body guy that can match up if uh, Dariq Young gets some play time. And there's no one that's going to keep Lockett from getting open. Uh, plus, we've got tight ends that can that can stretch the field if necessary, and none of those, those corners are going to be able to lock those guys down. So, yeah, I'd definitely give the secondary loss. And once again, it's almost a formality at this point. When we come to special teams, Myers is actually doing really well this year. And of course, Michael Dixon is Michael Dixon. So of course I give it 
special teams to the Seahawks. Not to mention also that our gunners and, and the guys that have been uh, running down there to, to help on punt support and special teams have been doing gr- a great job, especially these last couple weeks. So yeah, that's that's pretty much no contest for me. Now I added coaching staff back onto this list for this week. And the funny thing is I added it back and then I gave it a push because Pete Carroll and that staff, they're doing great things, but there's something special about Dable. I mean, he, dare I say, has a little bit of Pete magic going on right now with the Giants. Look, he, he's he's turned them around for sure. I mean, you look at where they were last year and what they looked like and, and look at them this year. It's night and day. Uh, certainly Dayball, like we said before, Dayball may be in that mix for, for coach of the year and there's a reason why he's in that mix. It's pretty close. I'm still going to give it to the Seahawks. Look, Pete Carroll has the experience. He's been there before. He's won in big games. Uh, and, and I think that uh, this team is behind him 110%. So uh, I, I'll give a slight edge to the Seahawks on coaching staff. This this game is a, it was a hard one for me to, to go with predictions and try and figure out what the score is going to be. Uh, I do think that the Seahawks are going to pull out the win. I think it's going to be a little less scoring on our side, I'm, but I'm still going to give us our kind of median of 27 points. And I say we hold the Giants to under 20. So I'm going to go 27 to 17. All right. We were actually kind of close. I made it a little higher scoring game. My prediction for this game is the Giants will score 18 points and the Seahawks will score 31. I think our defense has been stepping up and that trend's going to continue. All right. Hey, look, we've got the 12s at home again, so I think they're going to be a factor, hopefully. Uh, So I I agree that the, the Seahawks should be able to pull out a win at home. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. This is our week eight preview for the game against the Giants. We'll catch you next time. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.